Mike, what are we talking about in today's episode of Moving the Goalposts? Today, we discuss the Red Sox being the hottest team in baseball and the Bruins are buyers at the deadline. Julian Edelman's been wounded recently, and uh, I think it's about time we have a, a conversation about what his future looks like with the Patriots. Very sad. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating, review, and tell a friend. Moving the goalposts wherever you listen. It's just a public service announcement sponsored by Just Blaze and the good folks at Rockefeller Records. Fellow Americans, it is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and recollection of history in the making during our generation. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho, O, H to the O-V. I used to move snowflakes by the O-Z. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Moving the Goalposts, New England's number one sports podcast. My name's Nick Mara, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Masala. Mike, how are you now? Doing well, brother. Yourself? Not so bad. You can check out our social media profiles on Twitter and Instagram. I am at NickMara94. Mike, where can the listeners reach you? Get me on Twitter at Mike underscore Masala or on Instagram at Mike Masala NFL. Be sure to follow along with us on our Moving the Goalpost social media as well. They can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Moving the Posts. Mr. Masala. Yes, sir. We've definitely uh, had one hell of a week since last spoke. It's a complete 180 from where I was with the team. Totally, totally. And obviously we are talking about the Red Sox, who are uh, the first place team in the American League East, nine games through the season. I wouldn't have expected it. Uh, I don't think this team really expected it, but I guess that that just kind of happens when your first nine games are against Baltimore and, and Tampa Bay. Of course, Tampa was the reigning AL champions, but they basically sold off their entire team mm-hmm. again. And then you lose three at home to open the season against Baltimore, and you're looking in the mirror. Right? I mean, hopefully looking in the mirror, thinking to yourself, well, we've got nowhere to go but up from here. And right. Have they turned the season around so far? It looks like we're going to have a baseball season, Mike. Thank God, man, because if those who listened last week know that I was at a real low point, like I was about to jump off ship and not watch any more baseball this yeah. year. And since then, I've watched every single game and it's it's been a blast. I think they've had 10 hits in every game so far since since we last recorded. Um, they've been on fire. J.D. Martinez is arguably the best player in baseball right now. Mm-hmm. He's third in batting average, uh, second in, in OPS, first in hits, second in runs, first in doubles first in home runs first in rbis he's playing to an unreal level right now and it's making up for some of the more disappointing players like i had high expectations for bobby dahlbeck this year to come up and be a, a home run strikeout guy he's not doing much of the home runs yeah he's uh, definitely it's really the just the strikeouts <laughs> yeah he's actually walking a little bit too he's got three walks on this season but yeah 10 strikeouts no home runs he's hitting at a buck 20 he's He's definitely gotten off to a slow start. Not uh, not like what he was able to accomplish last year. What did he hit? Like five home runs in five straight games at one point. Right. But yeah. these were all meaningless games. Now all of a sudden you've got maybe a little bit more focus on you or it feels a little bit more like a major league game out there with fans in the stands and uh, just doesn't seem to be going too well for him. You know who I've been pleasantly surprised with as well has been Christian Vasquez. Yeah. When Christian Vasquez first came up into the league. He was not – I mean, he was always – one of these players and prospects that projected to be a major league catcher. But I remember it was him and Swihart both coming up and the, the narrative on Swihart was he was going to be more offensive and Vasquez was going to be more defensive. Right. And we never saw any of the offense from Swihart except for maybe half a season or a season mm-hmm. before they started tooling around with him. But Vasquez was, you know, the type of guy to really, he'd be on the Mendoza line. You'd be lucky if he ran into 10 home runs in a year. You know, he's already got two big flies on the year so far. He's batting 382. He's arguably the best catcher in the American League. I mean, dare I say the Red Sox should be back into that, like, mid to late 2000s. We could have an all-star represent, like, three or four different positions for the all-star game this year. I mean, Xander Bogarts is obviously going to be one of the top shortstops in the league, and Raphael Devers, depending on what he can do defensively, should be a consideration for an all-star game as well. Right. Yeah. You you're at the point where you have guys, and I said this before the season, it it was the 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 hitting has always been there. The hitting the last few years, even when they were terrible last year, they had the best offense in the league. And and 
yes, you you lose a couple pieces. You lose a guy like Andrew Benintendi, but like you still have that solid group around you. And Christian Vasquez proving to be one of the top three catchers in the league is just bringing your your team to that much higher of a level. Um, you you really could, you realistically could have those that three or four guys in in the All Star game. Like that's a, that is a legitimate uh, argument for this team right now. And no, I don't expect JD to go and hit 500 for the rest of the season, no, but, <laughs> but it's, it's clear that he looks different. And a lot of that is probably attributed to, Oh, guy can use the cameras again and they can, they can go back and they can review each pitch and each, each at bat. But I think he's a little bit of like a little bit more of a gamer. Like he's a guy who, when there are fans in Boston. He's produced, and yeah. you had one. You had one down year, and he's been really solid every other time. Yeah, and that down year was sixty games, and like right. you said, wasn't able to go back into the clubhouse and and review his video or watch his iPad or whatever. Which I think I like to think is maybe overrated because, I mean, I know he started off his career with a, a little bit of a difficulty and it wasn't until he started changing his swing up and, and changing his routine that he started actually hitting the ball and hitting the ball for power and, and earning the money that he would potentially make. But I mean, he was even admitting that last year he was kind of half into it, half not into it. I think that there was a report when they had shut down spring training, he thought the season was going to be just over that they weren't mm-hmm. going to be playing baseball. It was like, he went back home, went on his boat, was fishing every day, wasn't working out, had basically disengaged from the season altogether and then gets the call. And I don't even remember when they said they wanted people coming back like June, July. Right. And basically just starts a season cold and never gets going. And the team sucks. And it's almost like, what are we here for? And I don't remember what the deal was with uh, players that had opted out or chose to opt out, but I'm almost guaranteeing he wouldn't have been able to collect all his money. And I forget if they would have delayed the contract for like another year or something, but if he didn't want to play, he should, he should have just not played. He shouldn't have come back. He should have been like mentally. I'm not into it physically. I don't want to be there. So I'm going to take the year off, come back and be ready to go. Now I'm glad at the very least that he's come into this season with the attitude that he has and he's taking it seriously. And it really feels as though every single time he's up at the plate, something good can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we, we had talked last week a little bit about the pitching staff as well, how the first, first time around the rotation, we were hoping, you know, maybe you get a little bit better performance. And uh, we, we had actually spoke about, I think we, we spoke specifically about Garrett Richards, basically saying like, if he doesn't have it, he doesn't have it. And in his second start, I mean, it couldn't have started, it could not have started much worse for him <laughs> giving up back-to-back shots at in the uh in the first inning it's like this guy just can't buy an out he, he can't find the strike zone or anything like that and was able to turn things around uh i'll eat my words on that start i thought he was done I yeah thought- I, tw- I tweeted get this guy out of the city <laughs> yeah yes yeah, yeah. just it- like three batters into the game i was ready to, uh, we because they had they had gotten a lead in the top of the first and then immediately gave right back up and i was done on Kara richards at that moment yeah, but their their arms have been solid all year now, or all year, all week. It's been a, one good week. Let's not right. let's not get too excited because I think that definitely happens in baseball. It's a, they say it's a marathon, not a sprint. But mm-hmm. you know they took care of themselves last week. They needed to bounce back. They needed to show that they actually were going to give a damn about this season. And in watching yesterday's game against the Orioles, there was a sequence. I think it was the last run that Boston actually scored where. It's like a little ground ball up to the second baseman. He bobbles it, gets behind him. The player behind him bobbles it, and then he throws it away as there's a player rounding third. And it's just like, that's what the Red Sox were last year. Mm-hmm. And almost my entire life, anytime I can pinpoint a season where the Red Sox were not either semi-successful or just entertaining, it's because they were playing bad baseball. Right. It's like baseball is really just one of those sports where just pay attention and you might win 50% of your games if you just pay attention mm-hmm. because a lot of these plays are easy to make. They just, I don't know, but Devers does scare me. Well, I, what was it? The Saturday game for Devers where he had like three or four mental errors in, in the, oh. the, the game. They like got caught trying to got like caught in a pickle. Uh, I like a wild defensive play. <laughs> like yeah. Just insane. 
there were multiple people forgetting the number of outs there were that game. That yeah. was a game where where I was like, okay, this reminds me of the beginning of last season where these guys don't know what's going on. They're not caring. And they were lucky enough to pull it back out. But there there have been some instances of that. But then you get the line drive by, by Devers yesterday, that crazy reaction play mm-hmm. on the third baseline to double up the guy at first. And obviously he goes for a fourth home run. Is that four in a row or three, three, it's the three last games. Three games? Right. So you get, you get the big ups and you get the, the real, <laughs> the real lows for so sure. far in the season for Rafi Devers. So it's been a little bit of a roller coaster ride, but like, like you were saying about the arms, like Eduardo Rodriguez came back this week and that was awesome. It was a great, great to see the guy pitch for the first mm-hmm. time in a year. He wasn't exceptional, but, just about what you'd expect for a guy who hasn't who hasn't played baseball. Yeah, in, just you know, just, calendar just year. give us five innings. Just give us right. five innings, and that's what he did. Exactly. Um, and then you have you have some other guys like Eovaldi's been really good so far this year, and you have some guys out of the bullpen who have looked really good. Garrett Whitlock is disgusting, and the fact that he was a Yankees prospect makes it so much better. And it's these are guys that if you find hits, this is what Heim Bloom was brought in to do. You got a guy a a rule five draft guy who never made it past double a had surgery. And now he, now he's up in the majors. He mm-hmm. hasn't allowed a single hit. He's been incredible. Like if, been that, a, if you can, if like you can get that. those guys, that is what the, the question about Heimbloom before the season and before him arriving into Boston, are they going to run it like the Rays where if you have, Boston's payroll with the Rays' ability to go find Rule Five guys or optioned guys, um, and you can go out and get those guys and fill fill in your holes in the roster. That is what could make that team very dangerous. Mm. And if you can get guys like like Garrett Whitlock um, in here, or, or, and even even uh, Sawamura, like if you can get find find just lesser known guys like that, plug them in and and have those be key contributors. That team can be real dangerous if they keep it up. Yeah, I mean, I think it's basically what we thought we were going to have in Boston five years ago, which is you build a very strong core where your players are going to be kind of like the foundation or the spine of your team. And based on your payroll, you can kind of add things onto it. So you don't need to develop the all-star at every position in your Mm -hmm. own system. You can afford to go out and purchase a free agent now. I'm not saying that they should be going out and spending ridiculous amounts of dollars on every single person that's out there. I don't think that's what they want to do. I think they do want to have a lot of homegrown talent, have success in the major leagues. Um, You know, it's interesting. I've never really been a huge Matt Barnes guy. He's another one. He's been absolutely lights out. Now I think the other day, he's like creeping up on being in like a top five player in Red Sox, like pitching appearances. Like He's really? getting really close. Yeah, I don't I don't remember exactly what the number was or where he was ranking, but as far as the amount of actual like appearances that he will have played or made as a Red Sox, he's kind of creeping up into that like high territory with some of the all-time names. I don't again, I don't know the exact number of games that he's played in or what the record is for pitching mm-hmm. appearances, but I mean, guy's been around for almost a decade and he's been pretty solid the entire time and this year he's almost taken that step uh to the next level i tell you what though i've definitely enjoyed watching this team this year because it seems as though i don't know the game's almost being played at a different pace now yesterday was different because mm-hmm. there was over 20 runs scored combined between the <laughs> two teams but the three hour games don't feel like three hour games anymore. It it kind of feels like a lot of these younger guys that were in the minor leagues and had to rely on the pitch clock. That's how they're playing at this pace as well. I forget if it was, I think it was Pavetta yesterday during his start. I mean, he was getting the ball and immediately like he's back into the stretch. He's ready to go. He's waiting for the batter to get back in the box. It's like they're playing entertaining baseball and that's Mm -hmm. what's most fun. Right, and you don't you don't have David Price out there taking forty five seconds in oh, each God. pitch, who who still isn't playing, by the way. And and I'm a David Price guy, but he still hasn't started playing yet. Um, <laughs> the extra inning rule has been pretty interesting. I don't didn't think I was going to be a fan of it because it was kind of like oh, there's these cheap runs coming in. It's like not really baseball. I, I felt like I was an old the old man yelling at clouds that this isn't the way my forefathers played the game. <laughs> um, but it's been it's been pretty awesome. Like 
having the opportunity to go and instead of it being seven extra innings of no runs, you could have seven extra innings, but they're all scoring runs, which just makes it more exciting. Right. We have action. I think, I think it's been I think it's been a great product so far. And I think they've they've had two games go to extra so far. Yes. And and I, they've both been incredibly exciting. And uh the game on Saturday was the extra inning game. Um Friday yeah, it was either Friday or Saturday. I think yeah. it was Saturday because they were off on Friday. Right, right. Um they were able to score two runs, I think, in the extra innings that in that game. So you it's it's an interesting idea and one that I didn't think I was gonna like, but I think it's worked out really well so far. Well, and I, I glad you brought that up because it's something I wanted to talk about as well. It, it makes the pitchers have to bear down quicker. It mm-hmm. makes every single ball that's thrown way more meaningful because now you're not like sure in extra innings you were always one swing away from scoring a run, but now you're legitimately one swing away from scoring a run, then then the ball doesn't have to leave the park. So right. pressure pitch- almost, you could you could bunt over and then have yeah. a pass ball and that that's what happens. Absolutely. Yeah, just play Baltimore and get the ball <laughs> down the third baseline and just hope that it happens. Uh, but it, it's it's funny because I think last week they had uh, on, on like the pregame show or postgame show for the Red Sox, they had Jonathan Papelbon on. I was watching the, the segment yesterday and they asked him, you know, as a as a pitcher are, do you like the rule? Do you hate the rule? And he's like, hate it, absolutely despise it, don't like anything about it, needs to go, get get rid of it. And obviously, it's making your job more difficult. But, mm-hmm. guys, it's making the game more exciting. Right. I mean, why do people watch, not just people, but, like, I can't even say casual sports fans, but why do casual baseball fans tune into postseason baseball? It's because every single pitch means something mm-hmm. and because every single at bat, it's like do or die. That's right. why when you get to those seventh, eighth, ninth innings of a postseason game and it's a one one run game and there's a runner on second and third and two, it's like the tension builds and that's what makes baseball so exciting. And now we're getting that in a game in April. Mm-hmm. No, it's good. It's it's yeah, it's been awesome. Like they. And it really has been a full, complete turnaround from our last episode where I was. It really has. I, I, I think I said, like, MLB The Show is coming out in, like, eight days now, from now. Um, and I wasn't going to get it because I was going to be out on baseball by then. So you want to know, it's this is real quick uh, tangent. I was not working. I was working yesterday, and then I was working last night. I don't even know how to say it anymore. I was working this weekend. And my, my Sunday was spent watching the Red Sox. And then once the Red Sox game was over, I tuned into the Celtics. And then once that game was, I fell asleep before the Celtics game ended and woke up, woke up at, oh, they didn't win. Oh, they won. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Cause I'm like half asleep and they're saying on the, uh, on the broadcast, like, well, this, this game certainly turned into more of a a blowout than expected. And I was like, well, they were losing. I hope they didn't blow it entirely. (laughs) Um, but I just like immediately fell asleep after that. It was, I want to say it was probably six thirty, seven o'clock at night. And I just fell asleep and I didn't wake up until two 30 and I've been awake since two 30 in the morning. <laughs> but, so I got that, that Taylor Hall news very early in the morning. I was going to um, say that's breaking, but the fuck. Now I forget what I was going to say altogether. Too many, too many tangents. Oh, now I remember. So I was looking up, uh, like Xbox stuff, because like everybody, I'm trying to get a Series X, you know, figure out when they're going to be back in stock. And I came across like, are you familiar with this whole Game Pass thing? Yeah. So I have it. Yeah. You don't even have to buy MLB the show anymore. Yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty great news because I was really about to pre-order it a couple weeks ago. And then I saw that and I was like, perfect. This is perfect. I even if I'm out on baseball by then, I won't, yes. to, I won't have to pay for it. But I was, I forget even how I stumbled across, like I had heard about it and I had seen it and I was thinking like, ah, oh, should I get live? Should I get game pass? Like I don't really play other people that often. I'm kind of more of like a single player franchise mode guy as I knock all my water bottles down. And then when someone basically said in a YouTube video I was watching, if you plan on buying like two games or three games in a year, it has not only paid for itself, it's paid for the games that you were going to get. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, 
I'm not a big, same thing. I'm not a big, like, completing uh, campaigns of different games. I'm, I'm not really playing a ton of a ton of new stuff. But I have, like, 15 games downloaded from Game Pass. And I Like, games I haven't even touched yet. But I'm, like, oh, maybe I'll get around to it. I, I downloaded 2K this weekend. So I did like, I. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, it's and, awful. Yeah, it's really not fun. I, I played one game, and I was terrible. Um, yeah. So, uh, but... Yeah, that, that's just to have this game, and I know we're on the far tangent. It's okay. We'll, we'll uh, tie it back in at some point to the Red Sox. Right. To have this game be like it's never available before on Xbox. Mm-hmm. For the first time, it's going to be available. You don't even have to pay for it if you already have this this little add on. Right. It's like what a great what a great job because this I read that it was uh, it's MLB who wanted it to go to Xbox, not like. Sony or sure. Microsoft are yeah. arguing for. Um, that is uh, the first thing, <laughs> probably the first thing I've seen the MLB do that's like, let's get the young kids involved well, <laughs> and, and, I, and forever. And I genuinely believe, and we did not plan on talking about this at all, but I'm glad that we've brought it up because it mm-hmm. does tie in really well. I truly believe that baseball has suffered in the past decade because Look, I'm not a professional athlete. I'm I enjoy sports. I enjoy watching sports. I enjoy talking about sports. And when it comes to video games, it makes me feel like I can actually compete at that level. And and obviously, this is a podcast, but I'm using heavy, heavy air quotes at that level (laughs) and compete. The entire sentence was in quotation marks. Being an Xbox user you were kind of left at the altar for the last 10 years with no baseball game. I think the last baseball game that was developed was back in 2013. And those games, I don't know if you ever played them. They were awful. They were awful, awful games. I, so I had MOB 2k like 2011, 2012. And I, I liked it just for the fact that I could play baseball without my, with my friends. We had, there was online leagues and everything. And you could, you could play those games kind of like you would with Madden when we were kids. Um, and then they came out with 2013 and it was the exact same game. They didn't change a single thing about it other than the roster. And I was like, all right, if they come out with another one, I'm never buying this again. And then like two weeks later, they were like, yeah, we're not doing these games anymore because no one's buying it. it. It's, it's such a shame because when I play those games, I get familiar with the league. Right. So- exactly. I couldn't tell you who the second string left tackle was on the Minnesota Vikings this past season. But when I play a franchise mode and I'm looking for depth players, Oh, that name sounds familiar. I heard that name before. Like, okay, I, I know like him or I know him or like, there was a guy, fuck, who, who am I thinking of? I was, I used to play uh, NHL every single year until about three years ago. when I was like, it's the same game and I don't enjoy playing it, but I used to acquire this player Every Joe Sackick. No, <laughs> it was not Joe Sackick. <laughs> it was not Joe Sackick, but it was, it was, oh God, who was it? It was like a defenseman who just was glitchy. It was like Thomas Hickey or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like the guy just had an unbelievable shot. Not really a great player in the league, but oh, the guy that sticks around all the time that I can throw on my team and I'm familiar with so that right. when the Bruins make a trade and I've heard of this player before, I'm going to overrate him because, Oh, he plays really well in NHL. Right. It, it was, it, it is great to connect with like players that you don't really think of. Like I remember back in, in when I used to play Madden franchises in like Madden 08, Madden 10 ish era. And I was like, Oh, Tavares Jackson, I'm going to put him on my team and I'm going to, Use him as my mobile quarterback every time. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's like a guy you, you never think you would never think of. And that's what I think MLB has been missing for a little bit. Cause like FIFA, I, I like soccer and I watch when I can because the games are at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, but when when I play FIFA, like I start to re I start to remember the the names and different teams and of a league that I wasn't really super familiar with. And then you start to become, Oh, I know this guy. I'm going to watch this game. This is how you grow your game to younger kids. And baseball just hasn't done that for so long that this move will really, it's like, like I said, it's the first thing that that is really going to get people back in. Yeah. And, yeah. and they, they've done it well. I mean, just, just exposing 
not just the younger fan base, but an entire industry to something that they haven't really had mm-hmm. in a long, long time, a very long time right. for Xbox users. And look, I mean, I think that there's a cross market of video game players and sports fans. Mm-hmm. I would, I, I'm pretty confident there's a lot of people in this, in this world that are both. Uh, I would say so. Baseball is a fun sport. It, it may be boring and it may be slow, but I would say if your first inclination when talking about baseball is to say, oh, it's too slow or, oh, it's boring or it takes forever or nothing happens or it's that you don't actually have any skin in the game. Like you don't mm-hmm. have a team to root for. You don't have a player that you enjoy watching or you've never actually invested into the league. Right. Because yeah. I mean, it's it's just it's too easy to talk about baseball. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of baseball. It's why they play it during the summer when there's nothing else going on, right? <laughs> because it gives you something to talk about. And, and with with the video games, it's like this. I, and I've played I played every sports game. I've played I've played FIFA. I've played NHL, Madden, 2K, NBA Live. I've played all. I've played them all. There is no better feeling then hitting a home run and that will be the show. Like it is still every time I do it, I'm still like, Oh, what a, what a, what a monster shot, dude. Like every Just, time. It's like you said, it's that feeling. It's like getting off a good wrist shot in NHL or making a hit stick tackle on a quarterback in Madden mm-hmm. it's, or draining a three from anywhere in. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, it, for both of us, I think, uh, the, the return of an MLB baseball game is, is definitely something that we're looking forward to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be an exciting season for the Red Sox. I was, I was hopeful coming into this year that they were going to be competitive and at the very least, we're going to get a month's worth out of competitive baseball games, which mm-hmm. to be honest with you, Mike is kind of all we need. At this point, we just need to get to May because once May comes around, we get playoff hockey, playoff basketball, and then June, July keeps going. And by the time we hit July, it's football season and we'll see where the Red Sox are. But, you know, uh, I'm just glad that they got their shit together for now. Me too. Me too. How much of a season do you think we are going to get, though? Like, do you think this team has the ability to, I mean... Six and three, I don't know if they're going to maintain that record or that winning percentage throughout the season, but, you know, let's let's just say for the sake of argument, it's August 1st or July 31st, the trade deadline, mm-hmm. which is usually about halfway through the year, a little bit more than halfway through the year. Uh, this should not be a team that sells. No. And if it I is, think- I have no idea who they would sell. Right. Uh, my expectations for this team before the season and still now were was that I think the I think this team can be a competitive wild card team. I don't end up I don't see them ending up winning the division. But if you can finish with eighty five ish wins, that should put you in that contention for that wild card spot. And I think this team, and they've shown it this past week again against the Orioles and. Tampa Bay, the the skeleton of the Tampa Bay Rays, um, that they can be, they they can they have that potential, and I, I truly do think that at, when it comes down to the deadline time, they should be adding, they should be looking for another bullpen arm, they should be looking to upgrade. I'm sure there will be an injury by then, but whatever whatever position there's there's a clear injury at, um, even a back end starter, because let's face it, like at the end of the day. Do I see Garrett Richards going out and having a fantastic season? Do I see Martin Perez going out and having a fantastic season? Like, yes, you do have a guy like Tanner Houck you can throw in, uh, who is now back. He's gone back and forth. Like, I, I have no idea. Is he is he in Worcester or is he on he's, the? So they don't start their season until May. So he's just at the as they've been calling it alternative training facility, mm-hmm. and I think that's what they're going to do. And then once May comes around, they can bring him up and it's not going to chew through one of his years. Right. So they're basically just putting him on pause. It's like what they did with Chris Bryant. Yeah. It's stupid. I, I want Tanner Houck up here. I think he was incredible at the end of last season in meaningless games. And I think he would looked really good so far in his first start here. Yeah. 
I'd be curious, and I hope this doesn't happen, but I don't know the exact timeline. I think if they wanted to expedite the process, he could definitely be ready to go. I'm not sure where they stand on him or, or where he is in his recovery, but what if you get Chris Sale back in the starting rotation in August? I mean, that's kind of like acquiring, and I hate yeah. it when organizations do this, but that's kind of like acquiring a number one, number two starter at the deadline. I can't wait to see Red Sox, the Red Sox official Twitter account. A, a newly acquired, fresh transaction, Chris Sale, ready to go. I don't think they would be that dumb to do that. They're, they've, <laughs> there seems to be some ignorance when it comes to the Red Sox and, and public relations, but I don't, I don't, I would hope that they wouldn't do something like that. This is like when the Patriots, uh, when they traded uh, their first two picks in the 20. 20- right. 17 draft and they were like brandon cooks first round pick coney Coney ely Ely, second (laughs) round pick it's like (laughs) what a great time no it doesn't work that way (laughs) coney ely great patriot played a thousand games for the team i could i i remember them all i remember all the games i just don't remember anything that he did in the games I don't think he made it out of training camp. No, he definitely didn't make it out of training camp. <laughs> they gave up a second round pick for him. He didn't make it out of training camp. Then he signed with the Jets. And then I think was cut like a week or two later. The guy just yeah. like didn't want to play football. He had an unbelievable Super Bowl against Denver and was just like, yeah, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this, this week's been good for Boston, but definitely good for the Red Sox. The Bruins have been active recently uh mentioned a little while ago the acquisition of taylor hall they also acquired curtis lazar from buffalo sabers in exchange for andrews bjork and a second round pick so basically a depth forward for a depth forward and a second round pick for taylor hall and then they also added a guy by the name of mike riley not sarge but mike riley from uh the ottawa senators he's uh, a defenseman that i'll be honest with you mike i know nothing about um, well, if you happen to watch yesterday's Bruins game, I would take any defenseman who has legs to stand on right now. I actually, this is the ironic thing. I didn't watch the game because I fell asleep. And right. I, that, I was asleep that, through the entire thing. So when I saw that they acquired Taylor Hall, I was like, oh shit, how did last night go? <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I was talking about when I said, oh, it was probably a good thing you fell asleep during that Celtics game. Oh boy. But uh, but yeah, no, I think the uh, the nice thing that they're going to get out of this move with Taylor Hall, other than, you know, the hopes of added scoring, you have an, a legitimate NHL player that you can put on uh, a first or second line. Now, I'm not sure if they're going to keep the erection line together with Marshan, mm-hmm. Pasternak and Bergeron. Uh, I think I've, some from what I've seen, that seems to be the original or the idea that they're going to go with at first uh, things change I wouldn't be shocked if we end up getting some form of a Bergeron uh, Marshan Smith and then you bump down Taylor Hall to the second line left wing because he's a left shot Krejci's in the middle and then you get Pasternak on the right wing just you're gonna have to see how the chemistry works now again Taylor Hall has been a fairly uh, controversial figure in the NHL, not not in the same way that you get controversial figures in other sports. Though you don't mm-hmm. you don't really hear much about him. There's not a lot of media coverage in the NHL unless you're in Canada. But there there's been some off the record reports from former teammates that he can be a little bit of a dog and mm-hmm. he can be a little bit of uh, a weight in in the room, and he's not always going to give you the best effort on the ice. And look. This is a guy who was drafted into the league first overall back in 2010 by the Edmonton Oilers onto a team that was, I don't even know if saying that they were purgatory is fair because they were so bad. And they had first round pick after first round pick after first round pick just flop in front of them that they eventually had to move on from him. Mm -hmm. And so he goes to New Jersey and he ends up, having a pretty successful tenure in New Jersey, he not only makes his first all-star game, but that same season, he wins the MVP. All right. Right. So now we've got a former MVP on our team, a former first overall pick, somebody that the Bruins have been linked to in the past. Cause even in this past summer, there were some talks of him possibly coming into Boston on a deal, but he ended up signing with the Sabres for $8 million for Mm -hmm. one year. 
just right. to just to make as much money as possible in this COVID year and see what happens afterwards. So this is going to be the first time that he's coming into an organization with some not just pre-established talent and some winning, uh, but a chance to win currently. Mm-hmm. This is going to be his shot. So I'll be curious to see what we get from him. Yeah, I mean, I think we talked last week about if they were going to add, and you had said that there was a real chance that you thought that the team could be sellers by the time the deadline came up. And then you had a couple good wins and then a terrible performance last night from a group of AHLers. Yeah. Um, we wanted them to add depth scoring. Taylor Hall should be that. I mean, this season, what, he's got two goals? Yeah, two goals. Two goals and, on a goals. Buffalo team that's been not good. <laughs> They've been struggling. Yeah. Look, I would almost equate this to, I don't know, do you remember that store Borders Books? Oh, I do remember Borders. All right, so Borders Books, for those who don't know, is a bookstore, a national bookstore, a chain bookstore, much in the same vein of like Barnes & Noble. Mm-hmm. when bookstores were actually a thing and Barnes and Noble wasn't the only bookstore in the world. Right. Borders books ended up going out of business as have many businesses before. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can only imagine, and I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but I remember when they were going out of business, I went with my grandmother one day and like the final weeks of them being open. And she asked the person that was ringing us out, so you guys are closing, like going out of business. And he said, yep. And she just, with a, with a straight face, not even thinking twice about it, goes, so everybody's just going to lose their jobs? <laughs> and the guy's like, yeah, we're all going to lose our jobs. Jesus, Grandma, come on. It would be like working out those last two weeks at a Borders bookstore, like knowing yeah. that you're going to lose your job. And just that's what Taylor Hall's career has been. Mm-hmm. or at least this season has been playing in Buffalo, playing for that disaster of a franchise as Jack Edwards called them, the dumpster fire of the league. It's got to be the most depressing, humiliating experience outside of closing down a borders books. Right. It's, it's, I mean, I could think of no other co- uh, connection. I think <laughs> it may, makes a lot of sense, but I, yeah, like Taylor Hall, if he can come in and he can recapture and, Honestly, maybe besides Belichick, Bruce Cassidy is the one coach that in the city that I trust to really get the most out of somebody. Mm. He seems to know what buttons to push with certain players. And I mean, people seem to respect him, even though I feel like in the last couple of months, there's been a little bit of reporting that's like maybe he's starting to lose the team a little bit. But I think that he has such a great group of talented veterans who can hold the room and on top of it, he's a pretty well-respected and well-liked guy that I I don't expect Taylor Hall to be performing to the same level he was in Buffalo. I expect him to jump back up and maybe not be an MVP style candidate that we've seen him in the past, but at least a, a solid, a solid second line left wing. Well, now the curious thing with uh, the acquisitions, all three acquisitions that they've made. And up until this point, it's about 11 o'clock on Monday morning. So they've got like four hours left to go in the trade deadline. We'll see if they make any other moves. And obviously we won't be able to comment on it, but uh, on Twitter, maybe, on, maybe, on, maybe on Twitter. Yeah. Follow us. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see uh, what they would need out of hall, you know, because you're essentially replacing what Jake DeBrusque should be producing for you. And you've gotten the same exact production out of Jake DeBrusque this year that Taylor Hall's given the Buffalo Sabres. Right. You know, he's not as, as poor of a player defensively. Like Hall's going to be coming to Boston with, on, with a minus 21, uh, which is not very good, <laughs> but I'll be curious to see what happens with the actual like integration of the team because i don't Mm -hmm. know if they have to wait like a week or something before they can actually join the team and start practicing because of covid or if everybody's just like if you've tested negative then you you can start right away it's just like any other year um but boston's got a lot of games a lot of games to finish off the season so taylor hall's been dogging it in buffalo hopefully they're going to have fresh legs for uh for the stretch run i could ask you a question though 
I, I had a question for you too. So you okay, go you, first. No, 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 no. Please. I'm going to be off topic then. So if no. your question is on topic, I'll take my, it. my, my topic is, uh, is on my question is on topic. There, there you go. go. <laughs> we are so good at this. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> last week we had discussed the goalie situation and we had discussed Tuka's going to be out for a little while. Halak is apparently also going to be out at least till today. And we had Vladar. And at that point, you said you didn't want them to bring up Swayman. What are your thoughts? One week in, two games, one week, in this Swayman experience, do you think they made a mistake bringing him up too early? I mean, he had 40, 40 fucking saves. In the so party. listen, I'm glad I'm glad you brought it up because that was going to be my question to you. Mm. Uh, I didn't want them to bring Swayman up because I didn't want him to take over as like the guy because my biggest concern is that he turns into a Cam Ward, Matt Murray, Jordan Bennington. Again, say what you will about Bennington. But one of these goaltenders that comes up, catches fire early on, and goes on a postseason run. Those three guys all won Stanley Cups. You've got other guys in the league in the past that haven't won Stanley Cups, like Carter Hart, or uh, who was the guy back in San Jose? Martin Jones wasn't really that young, but he had that one good year where he was finally a starter. Like That's my number one concern with a young goaltender that hasn't taken over as a full-timer yet, is that they have success early, and then they can't maintain that throughout their career. Mm-hmm. He's had some success early on and he's looked good and he's right. played very well. And he looks like he belongs in the NHL. I'm not ready to give him the job. Ideally, I would like for him to spend one year playing professional hockey before he actually has to spend a lot of time in the NHL. So this would have been that year playing a season in the minors, but the minors that he's played haven't really been the same minor league hockey that Mm -hmm. you'd be used to. Like there's very little travel. You're playing the same teams over and over and over again. Your practices are all over the place. So his experience in professional league isn't really going to be uh, simulated very well down the minors. Right. Has the Tuca injury and the, couple games that you've seen from Swayman and and you've seen a de- you've seen Vladar a few times this year um has that changed your outlook on the future of the goaltending position because I've been a Tuka defender through and through for as long as I can remember you now have a goalie in his mid-30s with a back condition that doesn't seem to be getting any better who his contract is up at mm-hmm. the end of this year I don't want to bring Tuka back next year. Yeah. And that hurts me. <laughs> Look, I don't know if he wants to come back next year. I mean, there have been lots of scuttlebutt about him just kind of like hanging up the skates and being like, how badly does he want to play hockey? Like, I'm sure he loves the the room and the guys and the camaraderie of being on a team. And but I don't know how much he likes to compete. And that's the biggest difference that you see in a guy like Swayman versus a guy like Rask and how they play. Swayman battles. He competes his ass off. He's moving around. He's bouncing around. He's much more mobile, much more athletic. He, uh, I knew that Swayman was the guy. I, I kind of, I had a feeling that Swayman was the guy because last year, right before the pandemic hit, I was broadcasting a PC game and they were playing Maine. And it was the very last game that they played before everything got shut down. And I kid you not, Mike, this kid must have made like, and it was on the radio, so I couldn't see it, but this kid must have made again, like 40 or 45 saves in a shutout, one, nothing shutout. And it was just like the quality of his saves sounded unbelievable, like not easy saves to make. So I was thinking back then, like, Oh, this guy's ready. Like Mm -hmm. he's going to be a season away from competing in the NHL. Turns out he can compete now, which was about, it's been about a year since that game. Right. Um, to hand things over to him for a run or to expect him to start anywhere between 40 and 50 games in a season. Like, first of all, you need to have a good backup. Mm-hmm. Let your goalie only play 50 games in a regular season. 
I can't say that I'm not that he's not ready, but I'm not ready. Could I you go another? Could you go another veteran in that we're gonna split them type role? Like they're going to each have forty or so games in that role. Yeah, and I think uh, if you were able to, and I don't know what the free agent market looks like for goalies this off season. Uh, but if Tuca keeps playing, no matter where he is, he's going to be a starter. Like mm-hmm. he, he's just, he's going to be a starting goaltender. Now Seattle may end up having the advantage of signing Tuka Rask as a free agent. And then right. you really get nothing for him. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure they'll probably work out all that stuff before the expansion draft and before free agency even is a thing. But if we were going to say, all right, Swayman's going to be like your 1B, who's going to be your 1A, who are you going to sign that can give you 40 starts, but then once they hit the postseason is going to be more of the dependable backup than you know a guy who's going to be winning you games on a cup run? Honestly, I, I think you could probably go with an older veteran. I don't know what. I hate to say his name, but Henrik Lundqvist is going to be able to give you once he's healthy. I don't know what kind of contract he's under still. I think he was traded to Washington. I don't know if he, maybe he signed with Washington, mm-hmm. but uh, goaltenders are tough. They're very tough because it's, it's kind of like the quarterback argument. If you have two, you have zero, right? You either have one or you have none. Mm-hmm. So Swayman's your guy. Swayman's your guy. You don't really want to mess around with it too much. It would kind of be like, okay, we'll bring in uh, Trevor Lawrence, but we're going to keep Gardner Minshew so that we can play each guy, you know, a series at a time. Yeah. I get that. Uh, but let me ask you, what are your opinions on Swayman so far? I, I think he's looked really solid. I mean, he had 41 saves. 40 saves, 42 shots in his first game. Yep. Yeah. Like just, just. You're not working with the best of situations right now. You, you're obviously down a few defensemen, um, and even Lausanne last night. Swayman wasn't a net, but Lausanne left uh, midway through the game last night. Um, you, I, I don't think if you can ask much more from this guy Mm-mm. coming in his first couple of starts again with a jacked up AHL season. Um, Everything that he's given you has looked really solid so far. I'm kind of with you on the, I don't want to throw a guy in too early. I don't want to this to mess with him. Because when you threw him in, you have you had no idea, because we, we were at a complete crossroads last week. What Which direction is this team going to go? Are they going to absolutely tank, or are they going to add something and continue to go on the rise? And it seems like they are on a little bit on the rise, and I think a lot of that can be contributed to your above average goalie play in those couple of games. And I, again, it hurts. It hurts because I love Tuca. I've, I've loved watching him play for all this time. And I've been one of the guys who's defended him throughout every, through every buffs pub, Buffalo chicken experience. And every last year was tough too. Like last year is a tough one. You don't know what's going on with the guy's family. And obviously you don't want to say he quit on his team when he left uh, a quarantined foreign country to go and make sure that his daughter wasn't sick or anything. Like that's a tough one. That's a tough one to, to kind of chirp. But at the same time, it's like, that's the guy's MO. It's more Mm -hmm. than once. He just hasn't been there. And and I don't fault the guy for getting injured. I don't. He's that's what's happened. Right. And if anything, that's kind of a feather in Rask's cap where he can kind of go away, not go away quietly. That sounds awful, but yeah, he can kind of back out with with the spotlight on somebody else. You know, if you retire due to injury versus, oh, I retired because I didn't want to play hockey anymore. Those are two completely different narratives uh-huh. that are going to be taken two completely different ways by the fan base right and and for something as serious as back injuries can be like that that will mess up everything so oh yeah like it's it's a maybe uh, you're right it's maybe a little bit more explainable a little bit more relatable to the to fans that hey this is a guy who 
is playing one of the toughest positions in all of sports where you are using your back on every single second of every single play. And he can't do it anymore. And yeah, he's been statistically one of the best goalies of all time, but it's, it's time. And, and a lot of fans, I would say it's, 55 45 on fans that don't like him i feel like yeah, probably maybe even so, 60 40 right so I, just, you're gonna get just, he's been here for a while right you're gonna get a lot of you're gonna get a lot of people who are on that side and you get to free up seven and a half eight million dollars mm-hmm. going into going into free agency next season and you can spend if if you're willing to maybe bring in a, a cheaper veteran option to complement Swayman with, you have now an extra four or five million dollars that you can play with. Yeah, and and I think uh, the whole Krejci situation they might need to figure out as well because he's counting for like seven and a quarter against the cap. So you're going to be freeing up a lot of money this off season before either one of those guys puts pen to paper uh, on any type of contract extension. I think this may be the oper- the time that Boston has been waiting where and, and their their farm system's really not that strong. It's really not that good, but their farm system really wasn't that good back in 2000. I mean it, it was, but it wasn't. Nobody knew what it was going to be back in mm-hmm. 2006, 2007 when they went out and signed Zdeno Char and they signed Mark Savard and they were willing to put money into the the NHL roster and then let right. the younger players develop at their own speed. I mean Brad Marchand played, I think, two years in junior and then two years in the American League before he even got a sniff in the NHL. And he was like a 23-year-old rookie. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of unheard of. Right. So they allowed their players to get time to develop. They've done that in the past, you know, few seasons. But maybe the ceiling isn't as high on these kids as they need it to be. Mm-hmm. They're going to need to spend money on uh, players that have the ability to to not just help the team, but kind of take the team and make it theirs. So right. we'll see what we get out of Taylor Hall. I'm just hoping for uh, more production than what we got out of Yarmir Yager, mm-hmm. which was one goal off his ass in the first game that he played, and then that was it. So if he scores in the first game, we are going to be very upset. <laughs> no, no, no. He can <laughs> score in the first game. He's just going to have to score again later on in the season. Right. We can't we'll, just we'll just be nervous about the first goal, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know who I'm nervous about, and this is oh, going to no. be yeah. We'll uh, we'll wrap this up. We'll wrap up today's episode with just a quick uh, quick conversation about Julian Edelman. Uh, this is a guy who's I haven't really followed along the story that closely, but there's been some chatter in the media recently that uh, not that he will retire but that it may be time for him to retire. Mm-hmm. So was it a knee injury that he suffered during the season or like, what was, what was, why did he miss the rest of the year? Yeah. So there, it was a knee injury that he was dealing with early in the season. I mean, you could see at the end of, I think it was the, the Seahawks game where he went absolutely crazy and career high and in, in yards and everything at the end of that game, and the following week, you could see his knee was was, was not the same. It was, mm. and there's been it forced him to miss the rest of the season. And maybe if they were in contention, he's a competitive guy. He's always going to want to come back and and do what he can. He's much like Tom Brady in that way. They are cut from the same cloth. The reports have been that he can't play a full season this year. So it's either going to have to be he starts on IR or pup or whatever they want to put him on at the beginning of the season or midway through he's getting shut down or you save him for the for the playoff run. That's That would be a really tough scenario to have him go through. And there have been conversations that seem to say that – his knee injuries bone on bone, which is not something you're going to be able to fix. And if you are a 30, let's say 2009, let's, let's say he's 34, a 34 year old wide receiver who, yeah, the team could be a solid playoff contender, 
if you play your quality of life in the your post playing career will be significantly impacted if something goes wrong this is a situation where you say thanks Jules love you you've done everything you could for the team you've you've been the heart and soul of this offense but it's it's best for you if if you go either somewhere else or you quit playing in general and quit playing should be the way he decides to go yeah and i think there's obviously been a a huge huge focus and there continues to be a huge focus on uh ex nfl players and and the injuries that they suffer during their playing career and how they uh live their lives afterwards and most mm-hmm. of the time it's centered around head injuries concussions things like that very rarely are we talking about, you know, the guy with the bum knee or, you know, the player that broke his arm in three different places and, mm-hmm. or just Joe Theismann in general. Right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that there's, there's been a, a lot of, there's usually a lot of talk when, when players are injured in any, any sport, maybe not basketball or baseball, but, definitely hockey and football where if it's not a head injury and it's not a heart injury, it's really just about pain tolerance. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, you only get a certain number of years to play a game and and have a career. Edelman's at the end of his career. He doesn't need to be thinking about that. Like, well, how much time do I have left? Or am I going to be able to maximize my time left or, or anything like that? Like I would, if I were him, probably say all right this is it like i'd rather retire as a patriot retire with some pride left over um and enjoy retirement because this is a guy like i think julian edelman's gonna be in football or he's he's not just gonna go and disappear like he'll be something maybe he'll be an analyst or maybe he'll be a coach or maybe he'll be a spokesperson for tb12 who knows but he's gonna have a career after football Right. And if this knee injury is just going to get worse and he's not going to be able to make it through a full season again, from a Patriots perspective, how much of a difference to, and the receivers suck, but how much of a difference does Julian Edelman make for Cam Newton, Jarrett Stidham, ex quarterback that they draft for a 16 game season if he's only available for eight? Right. Not, not much. No. Take Julian Edelman out of this receiving core. Who do, who do they have? Jacoby Myers, Nikhil Harry, until they trade him for like a <laughs> third-round pick to Arizona or something. And Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick our, Bourne. Our Nelson Aguilar. Yep, Aguilar. Uh, Gunner Olszewski. Yeah. Um, uh, is Demir Bird technically still on the team? I don't know if I he's, think a, he's free a free agent. agent um, which I would bring him back. Decent. You have you now have three wide receiver threes again. <laughs> well, the biggest thing is the the acquisitions that they made at tight end. So it's right. like now we're not we're not focused on wide receivers. We're focused on pass catchers. Yeah. But yeah, that depth chart at wide receiver with or without Edelman is going to be hurting. Like no matter what you do, you're probably going to have to draft a player. And I mm-hmm. know everybody knows that they suck at drafting receivers, but just from a sheer we just need to have somebody on the roster for like a million bucks for the next four years. That's right. what they're going to have to do is draft somebody and hope that it works out. In a um, year where there's a, a thousand of them, hopefully they can uh, pick the right one this time. Yeah. Um, but the, huh. the Edelman injury reminds me a lot of, in, in some ways, a lot of what we went through with Dustin Pedroia. Mm. And it's a guy who is clearly like the heart and soul of part of a team is that first guy in, last guy out, everything. He's a guy you thought you were going to have to drag away. And Pedroia, you did. Like four years after he like last played, you were he, he called it quits. And the interview that he did after he retired with uh with section 10, um, he said that his doctors told him if if something goes wrong, you're never walking again. Wow. Like you're you're not going to walk again, and it's a similar. It's not the exact same, but I'm pretty sure it's a similar injury that Julian Edelman has, with that bone on bone contact in your knee. If if it's going to affect you from, and we we don't always look at guys like, from 
outside of the, the sports perspective, but Julian Edelman's a 34 year old guy. He's not all that much older than all of us. Right. He's 30. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> He's like a 34 year old guy has like a three year old daughter. Like you want to, you want to live the rest of your life and you're right. He's, I think he is going to be in the media. So do you really want to be the guy who's like you ruined your career, you ruined your post-playing life to go on a, to get 20 catches for yeah. 300 yards? There's just, there's nothing left to prove. Right. It, and you, you've, you've done it all. You've been, you, you made the most incredible catch maybe ever in Super Bowl history. You are one of the most successful. You're going to be a Patriots Hall of Famer. You are second all time in most of the postseason stats. Like, you will be remembered you've done a lot for the game, a lot for the team. People are going to argue that you are going to be an NFL Hall of Famer. I think it's a bit of a stretch, but I, I think people that, are going I think to, That's definitely argue. an argument to make, though. It's mm-hmm. an argument to make. And, and if he had some, if he was like on the cusp of being a Hall of Famer, if he was one like 100 catch thousand yard 10 touchdown season which he's never going to do first of all right never going to get those numbers but if he was one season like that away then yeah give it a try mm-hmm. but with this injury you're not going to get to those numbers number one and number, quarterback you're not going to get and with number two with the quarterback <laughs> you're not going to get to those numbers so unless you find yourself down in tampa bay which i wouldn't discount it no but uh but yeah i, w- I would say if if i were a Belichick or a Kraft and and he wanted to come back and he wanted to play football, I'd, you know, let him suit up. But if he's not going to make it for a whole year, I'd probably do what you said, like put him on the pup, put him on the IR, let him take the first six weeks off of the season and then bring him back for the stretch run, see what happens. If he helps you out, great. If he doesn't, let him go. Mm-hmm. And then he can figure out what he wants to do from there. Right always a sad note we like to end on yeah yeah we gotta start thinking of things more positive to to end you know what the problem is i'm a very pessimistic person Mm -hmm. and we like to start off with the optimistic stuff like we started with the red Sox doing really well and we started and then we went to the bruins we should have gone in reverse we should have started with the thing that was (laughs) on topic for this week it was the most negative so we could have just gotten it out of the way you know we we like to keep ourselves right, even keeled. You never want to get too high. So exactly. just knock yourself back down with the negative information. Exactly. That's, that's <laughs> the, the best way to do it is to keep the egos small. Keep the ego small. Keep the head small. I think that's probably going to do it for another episode. I think, what are we, uh, 39, 40? Like, we're getting there again. My mistake. Should have checked before we hit the board, but that's I think, okay. I think, I think it's 39, I think. All right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you've got anything else, uh, maybe like a final blow or something that you're looking forward to this week, uh, let the listeners know. Uh, we kind of been talking about Falcon and winter soldier a little bit. And I, I know, I don't want to have you repeat your own takes a thousand times and no. different places. I just think uh, we're coming to the two weeks left in that show. And you're, you have a lot of. I think there's a lot of loose ends that still need to be tied up and yes. you have a lot of information that needs to come to light. And as far as I know, there isn't second seasons of any of these shows. So, so I have at the very least, I didn't pay attention with WandaVision, but when I've been doing these recaps on the complete collection, I've been going back into the episode description on Disney plus, And it does say mm-hmm. like season one, episode one, season one, episode two. I don't know if it did that for WandaVision or not, mm-hmm. but I think, think falcon and winter soldier might be a multiple season show i'm not 100 percent sure but mm-hmm. either way the marvel cinematic universe for the most part is chronological like what right. happens in this show is going to lead into the next show or movie and then whatever happens in that is going to lead into the next thing from that so if we have a season two of falcon and winter soldier it's probably going to be based off of stuff that's happened over the course of the next year right and they uh, have so many different projects that they have on the schedule right now it's, it's insane to look it's at. insane yeah my, my head starts spinning anytime i think about it have you liked it so far though it was similar to the way i think wandavision set up the first couple episodes i was like i'm not really sure if i love it not not 100 in on it um 
but the last the last couple have definitely geared it up a little bit. I do think they have a lot that they need to do in those last two episodes, so that's really going to make or break what this season ends up being. Um, and exactly how it ties in, I'm not exactly sure how it's going to tie into the movies or what what they're going to do. I I will say every time they say White Wolf, I I smile because I love I love it. I love I love because that was like my first thing. That was my first like venture into me being a uh, comic book nerd part of it, where I was like, that was the first thing I knew in from the comic books that yeah. appeared on the TV. And I was like, awesome. Finally, I know something. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. They've done a good job of, of like touching on those things and tying those things. in. like one of the big, like we keep referring to John Walker as us agent on our mm -hmm. show, even though nobody has come close to calling him us agent on Falcon and winter soldier. Right. People barely even call him captain America. And then, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, they just the worst. First of all, the worst chin of all time on Johnny terrible. Walker. Like, well, just I mean, <laughs> he he has an underbite, so it's he's at a disadvantage already. Does That's he fair. have an under? He has an underbite. I I haven't paid that much attention. I I just know that when he's wearing the mask, he looks ridiculous. I think it's and that, this is gonna come back on us. We're gonna get canceled for that. <laughs> not gonna get canceled. Uh, anyway. Yeah, see, we try and end things on positives, and then we just end up turning it into a negative. What's your final blow? I want to hear, what, what are you looking forward to? What am I looking forward to this week? Again, I don't know what the COVID protocol is, but I'll just say this. I'm looking forward to finding out what jersey number Taylor Hall wears. <laughs> because I haven't purchased, like, a player t-shirt or anything in a very long time. And depending on what we get from Hall during this season the rest the rest of the regular season into the postseason i've already seen on twitter that nhl network is reporting that there's long-term interest in him staying in boston so might be something to invest in either a t-shirt or a jersey i bought a tyler sagan jersey or i didn't buy it but i got a tyler sagan jersey back when he got drafted that lasted about two and a half years uh who knows maybe we'll we'll get a nice little number 91 taylor hall shirt or something like that and you can't be disappointed with jersey numbers. So we're going to end positively right there. <laughs> Definitely can't be disappointed with jersey numbers. All right. Well, that's going to do it for, we'll say, episode 39 of Moving the Goalposts. Uh, be sure to follow along with us on Twitter, Instagram. Keep in touch with us. You can find me on both those platforms at NickMara94. Once again, Mike, where can the listeners reach you? You can find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Masala or on Instagram at Mike Masala NFL. Check out the social media profiles for the podcast, Moving the Goalposts. It can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Moving the Posts. Mike, till next time. Who knows? Maybe the Red Sox will be back at 500. Why? I, I just said we weren't going to end it negatively. Oh, <laughs> I, just, I just said it. <laughs>